do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCuberculist. Let's start quickly today and also going to try to stick to the timer. I know I say that often and often do not, but today I really mean it because uh, we got, I got stuff to do. I was going to say shit to do, but we don't swear on this motherfucker. Yeah, we do. <sighs> Okay, I'm going to push a button that will get us started, like this. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Nuns. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, if you are somehow, some way, a regular listener who is following along, you will know I am watching all the James Bond movies. Asterix. Asterix happened to this uh, episode in that I am not going to watch On Her Majesty's Secret Service because I watched it a couple of months ago because I watched the documentary about uh, George Lazenby or Lazenby if you prefer uh, so I didn't feel like uh, I wanted to re-watch it again so soon despite it being one of my favorite James Bond movies it's just uh, I find I have a very strict well I don't know if I do but the the missus says I do uh, a very strict like not written rule of how often I will re-watch a movie. Like, definitely not within probably the same calendar year which this would have been. So, with that in mind, I skipped ahead one movie to Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> I almost went into singing the song Diamonds Are Forever there. I don't know, it was sort of a catchy, uh, catchy Diamonds Are Forever, that one. Uh, a diamond smuggling investigation leads James Bond to Las Vegas, where he uncovers an evil plot involving a rich business tycoon. I really like this one because uh, there's like two types of James Bond movies, I think. Um, crazy, stupid ones, <laughs> like this. Uh, and then more serious ones, uh, which you, you, I, I feel like it's good that there's there's these sort of two types, and you can sort of pick and choose depending on your mood. Uh, you, you don't really get that sort of thing in other movie franchises, I don't think. Uh, maybe, like, horror ones where, uh, like, the initial ones are actually scary and then they get dumb. Uh, but this, like, throughout, it sort of bounces back and forth. I, I guess the, the later... Uh, and maybe that's why, uh, what's the newest guy's name? Oh, God. 
<laughs> call myself a James Bond guy. Uh, Daniel Craig. Uh, uh, maybe that's why he's not my favorite, because he's never really had a, like a stupid, ridiculous one like a lot of the other guys has. So, there. Uh, that said, rating-wise, uh, I'll go a solid four. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's a James Bond movie, and it's uh, weird, and there's uh, diamonds in space and all sorts of strange things, and uh, Sean Connery getting up there in age, which adds another sort of level of interest, let's say. Hmm. Okay, moving on to movie the second, The Trip to Spain. Yeah, uh, so apparently these have turned into a uh, a series, I guess. Uh, it started off with The Trip, then it was The Trip to Italy, and now it is The Trip to Spain. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with these movies, uh, let me read the IMDA and it will shed some light, I have no doubt. Uh, actor Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon embark on a six-part episodic road trip through Europe. This time, they're in Spain, sampling the restaurants, eateries, and sites along the way. So, uh, basically, it's, like, scripted. It, it, I, I mean, uh, it's not like a actual, like, that's not a good description, <laughs> basically, is what I'm saying. Uh, it, it's like a scripted movie movie. Uh, in which they're pretending that they're on this uh, trip doing, like, a travel show. That's not what's actually happening. Um, and these two together are just, like, perfect... period. Uh, yeah, just two funny dudes who seemingly love one another, but there's the odd bit of a grinding on each other's nerves as well. Uh, they both have very different lives, uh, and it's just sort of a fascinating, uh, lazy Sunday movie. Uh, that's something I will definitely say of these, uh, the trip movies, is, uh, watch them on a Sunday when you're just sort of lazing in bed. You'll get some laughs, you'll get some beautiful scenery, uh, and you'll get some just relaxed, not heart-pounding action to come down from your James Bond movie that you just watched. Uh, movie the third, The Little Hours. Uh, yeah, I've heard about this on a bunch of podcasts, which should come as no surprise, because a shit ton of the people on this are people you will recognize from podcasts. Uh, in, yeah, I bet you the IMDA is funny for this one. Uh, in the Middle Ages, a young servant fleeing from his master takes refuge at a convent full of emotionally unstable nuns. <laughs> Introduced as a deaf-mute man, he must fight to hold his cover as the nuns try to resist temptation. Uh, Rating-wise, like, four to five. It's really weird and funny, and uh, recommend it. Today's Television Talk sponsor is Don't Need No Man Doctor Gynecologists. Alright, uh, wow, sticking to the timer on that. Uh, I was tempted to push pause and talk a little bit more about the little hours, uh, but I resisted it. Ugh, it was hard to do, I will admit, because I wanted to list uh, some of the names in it. So I will just say, this, this is cheating, I realize that, uh, that you should just look at the list of names in it and be blown away by that. Okay, moving on to Doctor Who. Thank you. Thank you, Doctor Who. Finally back uh, for one episode. 
Twice Upon a Time. Uh, from my perspective, basically somewhat just watched it from yours. Uh, it'll be a little bit uh, behind this review, but uh, that's what happens when you record your podcast so far in advance. So you have a nice buffer. So if you ever need a break, you have them, which is what I do. Uh, yeah, so this was the, uh, quote-unquote Christmas episode. Uh, it's Christmas in the sense that Die Hard's a Christmas movie. It's not really a Christmas movie, it's just a movie that takes place during Christmas. This is not really a Christmas Doctor Who so much as an episode that takes place during Christmas, I would classify it as. Uh, that being said, I, I, I didn't care. Uh, it was great to see him back. Uh, man, just the, something about this show, especially when it's been gone for a while. And not even that, but especially when it's been gone for a while and it comes back, it's just like the initial sequence and as soon as the the, the, the like title music uh, comes up, literal goosebumps, literal factual on my arm goosebumps. Uh, so it was great to have uh, this doctor back for his final episode. Uh, of all my talks of Doctor Who episodes, and I do believe I bring back just about every episode. Uh, to talk about in a television talk segment. Uh, I've mentioned that uh, uh, Peter Capaldi, although I don't have the dislike that uh, seemingly a lot of people do, he's probably my least favorite of the Doctors. That being said, I like him a lot. So uh, on a scale of love incredibly to just love, he's, he's just love. <laughs> uh, my hope is with the very brief momentary introduction of the new Doctor at the end of this, and that's not really a spoiler, uh, just because everyone sort of in the know knew that was going to happen. Uh, my hope is that with this new Doctor, she uh, will have a little bit more in the way of comedy and be less sort of dour, which uh, I think is a distinct possibility, even just looking at her and what she's wearing. <laughs> if you could judge a book by the cover, uh, Capaldi compared to uh, the new girl, which I don't know her name yet, because, oh, Jodie Whittaker. There you go. Uh, she looks like she'll be a little more fun. Okay, so to the episode specifically, you have uh, 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 Peter Capaldi, the 12th Doctor, and uh, David Bradley, who's playing the first Doctor, who, Jesus Christ, he looks a lot like the first Doctor, uh, doing Doctor Who stuff. Uh, interacting with one another, which you don't get to see too, too often. Doctors interact interact with their past selves. Uh, i got to say, not knowing much of the uh, before uh, the, the reboot of Doctor Who Doctors, uh, I, I perhaps don't have the nostalgia that some people do. Although, is there... I, I suppose there is. Like, how many people started watching Doctor Who with the first Doctor and are still watching it. Like, they, there must be people out there, but because it started in, what, the 50s? They gotta be <laughs> a little on the old side, I would assume. Uh, uh, the, the other thing this does, this episode, without giving too much away, is they have a, let's just go ahead and call it a plot device, which allows the Doctor to interact with people from his past, people who have perhaps passed away. Uh, for example, a Jenna Coleman may make an appearance. I don't know. Uh, is it her? Is it not her? Uh, this brings up the thought of, uh, are you more than the memories contained within your brain? That's always a sort of interesting thought. Uh, the episode as a whole, 
big fan. Uh, very, very much looking forward to the new Doctor, whenever that's going to happen. Hopefully this year, right? Conan, the librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Today's book banter sponsor is a book written by John Delancey. Huh, it's called Tips for Being a Q, a.k.a. Q-Tips. Thank you for that sponsorship. Well, this is a coincidence. The book I'm talking about is called IQ, also by John Delancey. Wow, <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, yeah, so uh, after my most recent uh, uh, book series, I decided I needed something a little lighter, um, something I could sort of fly through a little quicker, which I did. Uh, this book written by John Delancey, uh, someone who uh, I would love to get an autograph for on Nerdcane, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, that is not surprising, but what you can do is Google Nerdcane Adventures and see what that means. Anyways, uh, he, this is sort of fascinating, and I wonder if this has happened before, and if so, how often this sort of thing happens. He wrote a book called I, Q, uh, which is from the perspective of the uh, entity known as Q from the television show Star Trek The Next Generation, as well as Voyager, as well as uh, one episode of Deep Space Nine. Uh, so he took that character he played and then wrote a book from that character's perspective, which I think that in itself is pretty fascinating. Uh, plus the fact that Q is one of just the most interesting characters in fiction, period, uh, means that uh, I very much enjoyed this book. Uh, do, I, I think, do you have to like and know Star Trek to enjoy this book? Y yes, for a lot of the deep little nitty-gritty. Nitty Sure, we'll use nitty gritty. I don't know. That's the, that's the white, the white way to use it. <laughs> oh God! Uh, let me read the good reads, uh, and it'll give you some of the idea what's happening with Q. Oh, you know what? Before we do, I just wanted to say Q potentially suffers from the same thing that Superman uh, suffers from, but maybe even to a higher degree, and that is so powerful that nothing can stop him. So where's the sort of interest? Uh, what's what? Where's where's the tension for someone who is omnipotent, basically? Um, so uh, th they they do add that in this. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Q remains one of the greatest mysteries. Blah 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 blah. Q, 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 Q. I'm trying to find. Okay. Uh, so basically, what happens is you know what? I won't read it because it's very very long. Uh, Q's out fishing with his uh, wife and son, not sure how that works, uh, when basically a hole opens up in the universe and sucks in his wife and son. So, uh, he has to save him uh, with the help of, and this was the sort of interesting, not quite sure why it happened, never fully explained, uh, with the help of uh, Picard and Data. Now, you need them for obvious story reasons, but why did he specifically somewhat randomly decide he needed him help? It was almost subconsciously that he decided he needed their help, but uh, it, it was a good trio, Picard, Q, and Data. It's a, it's a very, very good team to tackle anything because you've got so many different uh, things working for and against you in some cases. Definitely uh, in the in the 
case of Q, whose own uh, <laughs> whose own personality is often his worst uh, problem. Uh, something that uh, my only sort of knock on this book would be that uh, very very often John Delancey was writing it as if he was Q, which is sort of fascinating, but would go off on strange tangents and and not short tangents like paragraph many paragraph long tangents of just things that had nothing to do with the actual story uh it was almost uh, sometimes terry pratchett will do this as well uh but i think he's a little more subtler and not as lengthy and uh funnier <laughs> to be honest uh, whereas uh, John Delancey's tangents, you, you could tell he was trying to almost jam in jokes. A lot of his tangents had to do with uh, pop culture as well, which is sort of a strange idea. Uh, all in all, though, I very, very much enjoyed it. I, I think I'd go like a three and a half to four to five. So thank you, John Delancey, for IQ. Game Gavin sponsor is an app that monitors metrics like heartbeat and palm sweat and send a fake phone call to get you out of awkward situations. It is the Red Alert Social Awkwardness Fake Phone Call Alarm. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, got a cool one today. Star Trek colon Bridge Crew. Yes, I combined a Star Trek book and a Star Trek game like I planned it, which I kind of did. I didn't at first, and then I realized it was happening, and then I just let it happen, basically. Uh, yeah, so Star Trek Bridge Crew uh, was a game that I saw people play on Funhouse, uh, had heard about, obviously, being a, a lover of Star Trek, this will be on your radar. Uh, it is a VR, or virtual reality game, uh, where you play, you guessed it, a member of the bridge crew aboard a starship, not specifically the Enterprise, I'm sorry to say. Uh, I forget what the name of the ship is. Uh, Aegeus. Yeah. Uh, you can play aboard the old version of the, and maybe there'll be DLC as well or something, uh, of the original series Enterprise, which is a sort of an interesting thing. Uh, so, so basically, you are playing on the crew... Uh, in one of four, one, two, four, yeah, one of four positions. You can be the captain, uh, helmsman, uh, tactical, and uh, b -b 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 what's the last one? Engineering. So uh, you're sort of sitting at a desk on the uh, on the bridge. Uh, it is a, a Kelvin a new movie, I guess you could say, style bridge. Uh, which has advantages and disadvantages. Uh, one of the advantages, I guess, is that <clears throat> you can sort of tell by looking at the, the layout of the buttons and such that are labeled with actual words uh, what to push when you need to do certain thing. Uh, whereas, and that, this was the sort of interesting part, when you went to the original series uh, uh, <laughs> ship, nothing's labeled. It's all just fucking random buttons. Thousands and thousands of random buttons. Uh, which made it a little difficult. So I would highly recommend you start 
with uh, doing the tutorial, of course, and, and, and playing on the uh, on the uh, Kelvin series ship, the Aegeus, and then go over to the original series. Like you could push a button that will put an overlay. Uh, labeling all the buttons, but even that's sort of a little clunky. Uh, it, it sort of clutters the screen a little bit. Uh, be in a comfortable chair is another thing I would recommend. Uh, you have to uh, don't have shit in your way. <laughs> a, a comfortable chair with not too much shit around you. Uh, as this is VR, and you'll be you'll be reaching sort of fairly far and forward. I found. Uh, one one definite highlight. Uh, it's something I was worried about. I uh, never experienced any motion sickness, even when uh, you can go sort of push a button and see what's happening outside of the ship. So, for example, I would uh, inside the ship go to warp, and then quickly go outside the ship and see what that looked like. It was pretty cool, but uh, I feel like they should have maybe done a little more with that, just in terms of what it looked and felt like. Uh, okay, so the actual game itself. What are you doing? Uh, I've only done the first uh, two missions, or first mission or so. <clears throat> Basically, you're doing like what they would do in the show. You're flying around, investigating things. Uh, obviously, in a game, you're going to be fighting things, which is a, a sort of a, a default of any Star Trek game, is the space battle. Uh, the first space battle I did was with uh, pirates, I guess probably Orion pirates, and then there were some Klingons as well. Uh, I set it to easy, and it was pretty easy. Um, I, I sort of, for the most part, stayed in the captain chair, because you could sort of just tell what you wanted the others to do. Uh, the other sort of cool thing, which I haven't tried yet, but definitely plan on, is you can have it so you're playing with real, actual people in each of the positions. Now, about that, I wonder how boring... Like, uh, engineering was not what I would call uh, an exciting. Like, captaining is fun. Uh, tactical is fun, especially when there's a fight. Uh, even uh, flying around, like steering the ship, that's, that's kind of interesting as well. But the engineering, I found the, the least exciting of it. Uh, so if you got stuck in that position, I don't, I don't know how exciting that would be. Uh, Rating-wise, so far, after a couple of missions and, and trying some of the main things, I, I go like a solid 4 out of 5. Uh, definitely 100% going to go back into it. Oh, you know what I should mention on this uh, at this point, which uh, I think I often forget to do? If you want to see me do so, uh, go onto Twitch and type in LibroCube, which is also the name of this podcast. And you could see me play this and many other games. Hey. Plugs. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is Baron Samdi Top Hats Incorporated. Thank you for that. Okay, we're talking double movie monologue. Yeah, uh, have been in some context clues uh, can give away that uh, I am recording this in or around the Christmas New Year's holiday. Uh, 
Well, you know what? I'll go ahead and give you the actual date. It is December 30th. It's still in 2017, and you're listening to this well into 2018. Oh, my. Uh, Anyways, uh, with that in mind, I've been able to uh, watch a shit ton of movies. Uh, So, uh, we're getting a lot of double movie monologues lately. This included, in which I've watched Live and Let Die. Yes, not only double movie monologues, but sometimes two James Bond movies in one episode. Loves it. Flying through them, you might say. Uh, This is the first of the Roger Moore James Bond movies. Uh, You know what? Uh, Let me bring it up. Uh, And I don't... I I think I did this when we first started. But uh, maybe I'll do it every time we uh, switch to a James Bond. Just, Just... It sort of makes sense to do. Okay, so this is my James Bond rating scale in terms of who is my favorite James Bond. So number one, my favorite James Bond is Sean Connery. Number two is Roger Moore. Yeah, so now we're into the Roger Moore movies. Uh, Tied for third is Pierce Brosnan and George Lazenby. Yep, third place tie. Uh, Fourth, Daniel Craig. And somewhere in the top ten is Timothy Dalton. Anyways, 007 is sent to stop a diabolically brilliant, brilliant, heroin magnet armed with a complex organization and a reliable psychic tarot card reader. So, (laughs) like the last one, this falls into the what the hell is going on craziness one, which I love. Oh, it's Jane Seymour was the the tarot card reader. Uh, Yeah, this is probably one of my favorite James Bond movies. Uh, Let's go rating right off the bat. Five out of five. You've got crazy boat chases, uh, you've got a uh, racist sheriff, you've got uh, running on the backs of alligators, uh, just beautiful women, of course. One of them is psychic, but then loses her psychic ability when she has sex with James Bond. Of course, everyone knows that happens. Uh, it's from 1973, so you got all the 1970s stuff going on, I guess. Uh, really just just crazy, over-the-top, ridiculous. Uh, highly, highly recommend. Is this a James Bond movie you should start with? Uh, see, you could watch this and then watch a Daniel Craig one, and you'd be your mind would be boggled because they're so completely different movies. Uh, and again, nothing wrong with that. Live and let die. It's a weird one. Uh, and, and I'm happy to be into to the Roger Moore ones, because uh, I, I do remember liking a lot of these. Okay, moving on to Some Freaks. Yeah, this one was interesting. Let's read the IMDA. Uh, a charming ro- romance develops between a boy with one eye and an overweight girl. Uh, though, when she loses her weight after going to college, the relationship is tested in devastating ways they never dreamed would happen. Uh, yeah, this, it's this comedy, drama, romance. Uh, yeah, I guess romance a little bit, but definitely comedy, drama, in the terms that this is a very, very dark, uh, uh, black comedy, I would say. And, uh, if you... Again, are one of those weird long-time listeners, if such a person exists, you will know that uh, uh, black, dark comedies are usually among my favorite of movies. This being uh, not an exception per se, but uh, uh, I liked it very much. Uh, why don't I just go ahead and give my rating of 
like a solid three, three and a half. Uh, lighter on the comedy, I think, than on the drama and romance. So maybe that's why I, I didn't like it as much as some. Uh, a lot of it deals with sort of being an outcast and not feeling uh, quote unquote normal. Which uh, I think even I, I I bet and think and even will assume, although you're not supposed to do that, I hear uh, that even people who are sort of very popular and seemingly fit in and have a lot of friends have moments of uh, feeling not part of uh, human society and feeling oh shit okay so we're not a hundred percent sticking to the timer. Uh, feelings of uh, just being themselves in a world that uh, they have no connection to. That, that, that sort of idea. Is that is that possible? Sure. We'll say it is. Uh, and, and, and more so, I suppose, when you have, you know, are missing an eye, I, I guess. Uh, <laughs> that sort of threw me off track there. Anyways, moving on to the final movie, uh, Baby Driver. Uh, yeah, interesting. After being coerced into working for a crime boss, a young getaway driver finds himself taking part in a heist doomed to fail. Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, some some good mo some good tunes. Um, the uh, titular <laughs> uh, baby driver uh, has to. He's got tinnitus, which is uh, ringing in the ears. Uh, I know William Shatner has it. Uh, so to sort of combat that, he always has a, a music playing and a couple of earbuds. I, wonder, I, I guess that probably would work, wouldn't it? <laughs> I wonder if people uh, with tinnitus watch this and be like, yeah, uh-huh, that's true. Or if they're like, what? That's crazy. That would never work in a million years. Uh, so because of that fact uh you, you get to hear the music he's listening to from time to time during action-y scenes sometimes it fits but i kind of like it when it doesn't like when you got a crazy action scene with like music that totally doesn't suit it at all sometimes i like that it, it, maybe it's the jarringness of it but uh it, it sort of fits so yeah it's a, a heist movie various different heists but for the most part we're just following this uh this kid around through his life a uh, bit of a romance there. Um, you know, it's good, good actors. You got Kevin Spacey in it, which, uh, you know, is interesting after all that's happened with him, I guess. Uh, he he's, ends up being, like, a good guy in this, I will say. A bit of a spoiler there, maybe, sort of, kind of, sort of. So to have him sort of be redeemed at the end of this movie, uh, and then in real life, not so much. Interesting. Uh, you got John Hamm... He was good as well. He was a little darker than some things I've seen him in, so that was good. Uh, Rating-wise, you know what? I'll go like a solid four, four and a half. Yeah, very much enjoyed uh, a baby a, a driver. Here we go. Oh, it's nice to be nice to the nice. I forgot that was the end. Oh, fuck. I like Ryan. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. 
Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Live long and prosper.